Hey there, welcome back. Today we are talking about potatoes because for me, it's time to plant potatoes. Now, I'm not sure where you're listening to this podcast, where in the world you are, and if it's summer for you, if it's fall for you, if it's spring for you, but we're going to talk about when is the right time to plant potatoes, and a lot of it has to do with temperature, and so we are going to be going over this plant folio that I have done for potatoes. Now, there was a lot of things in here that were really an eye-opener for me. Even though I've been growing potatoes for a long time now, there were some things that were just unclear for me. And I just kind of did things and I didn't really understand why I did them because somebody else told me to do them or because they were selling them at the store at the time, <laughs> you know, whatever the reason is. But this way, you can take more of an educated guess rather than an uneducated guess. Like, you know, this is what everybody's saying to do, so I'm going to do it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. By the way, if you are new here, welcome to the Ediful Gardens podcast. I'm your host, Nanette Blair, and I'm so glad you found us because... We help people create edible and beautiful landscapes that are way better than organic. Because I'm on a mission, and my mission is to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. And you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want because it's your home, your yard, and your taste. And beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about? Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. I did this plant folio. And if you just joined us and you're not familiar with the Ediful Gardens podcast, we've been talking a lot about these plant folios lately. And I designed a template where you can go make your own. And I highly recommend that you do do your own research because a lot of the information that you find is conflicting. And we're not going to get into a lot of, about that today because we have done a lot of different plant folios over the last, uh, last several weeks, and I do a lot of commentary about why I gather the information, where I gather the information from, but I will tell you that if you go to edifilgardens.com forward slash folio, that you can go download this template for yourself. You're going to get two. You're going to get one that's a blank, so you can fill in your own you're going to get one that's an example that I have filled out uh, just so you can kind of see what kind of information that I gather. But there's no such thing as perfect on these plant folios and the information is a little bit varied from plant folio to plant folio. So on the potato, um, the potato is, the botanical name is Solanum tuberosum and it's in the Solanaceae family. And, you know, the thing that uh, I, I really haven't paid that much attention to these botanical names before, but, you know, one of the things that I really was kind of an eye-opener for me, I have never grown sweet potatoes. 
Um, my daughter loves sweet potatoes. Her kids love sweet potatoes. My husband likes sweet potatoes. I don't really like sweet potatoes. <laughs> I did eat them once last year at Thanksgiving and they had a lot of sugar and a lot of cinnamon and nuts and stuff on them. And I did like it that way. I know they're supposed to be really good for you. But sweet potatoes is a whole other species. If you're brand new to gardening, maybe you didn't know that. But the sweet potato and the solanum tuberosum, two different species. And if you're not new to gardening, you probably already knew that. But all of the potatoes that we're talking about today come under the category of Irish potatoes. So sweet potato, totally different species. Irish potato, totally different species. But within this Solanum tuberosum that we're talking about today, which is the Irish potatoes that all falls under the umbrella of that. There's about a thousand different species that they found all over the world or that they've cultivated all over the world. And all of these fall under, unless it's a sweet potato, fall under the category of Solanum tuberosum, also known as, this is why I like to know these common names, also known as basically the Irish potato. It could be red potatoes. It could be purple potatoes, um, yellow potatoes, white potatoes, russet potatoes. But these are all under the heading of Solanum tuberosum. Okay, so I hope I didn't beat that horse to death, but just wanted to, to clear that up because if you're brand new to gardening, and or you're brand new to put growing potatoes because you're going to do an edible landscape, then maybe you didn't know that. Uh, you know, I didn't know that for the longest time. But I like to, in my plant folios, I'm still on page one. It's all about the naming. You know, what is it also known as? Well, um, this is probably not news to a lot of people, unless you're maybe in a different country. But we also call them spuds. And, you know, one of the things, I did not know this. I did not know this until I did this plant folio. But a spud is named after the tool that's used to dig for the potatoes. Did not know that. Total news to me. So it in my mind, it kind of sounds like a spade. And when I looked up spud and what people have called spuds before, it sounds like it's a hand tool that's sharp, pointed, narrow, that you dig a hole with, then that is called a spud. Or to dig a hole is called a spud. So it's kind of like a noun and a verb at the same time. And I know that in the oil and gas business, they will say, well, the spud date is, you know, January 1st, 2020. And it's also a long, narrow tool that they used to dig a hole with. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's interesting to anybody else, but I thought that was really interesting. But that's why they call it a spud. It's named after the tool that you dig it with. They're also known as taters, patata, papas, and Irish potatoes. Okay. Now, we're on the second page. This is all the growing information. And it makes a beautiful little flower. This flower has been used in royalty for a long time. And it just makes such a pretty little star-shaped flower. I love it in the edible landscape. And I'm going to say this too before we get to growing requirements. Because I don't think that I really wrote this down. But the, the leaves have... And a built-in pesticide. 
solanine, I believe is the hormone that they use, but it's rabbit resistant, it's deer resistant, it's animal resistant, and it's resistant to a lot of pests. So, and that is why they will say that potato leaves are poisonous. And, you know, that again, that word poisonous or toxic, you have to really uh, either take it as a grain of salt, or you have to understand that someone used that word to say, you know what, there's some, there's some bad stuff in there that if you don't understand what you're doing with it, you need to just kind of stay away, right? <laughs> so there is a lot of talk about people using tomato leaves or potato leaves, which are in the nightshade family. That goes back to the name of the family, right? Solanaceae. That um, I think that they do use it medicinally. So it's like a little bit might be good for something. But if you don't know what you're doing, it can have a toxic effect. And most of the time, what that means is if you eat it, you're going to get a really bad stomach ache. You're going to, you're, you're going to be doubled over with pain or you're going to be vomiting. You're going to, you're going to have some problems. The reason for that is, is because it's got a built in pesticide to prevent predation. Okay. So with that being said, that a little bit of it, I think that they're using it for other things. I don't personally eat them. Uh, I don't plan on personally eating them, but I did talk to someone the other day that they said that they saw it in an ingredient, potato leaves, did not say sweet potato leaves, which is totally different story. Sweet potato leaves are edible. You can eat them like spinach, but this is a completely different species. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of talk about that because this is the nightshade family and it's just a whole new level. Like it's, it's something that's way over my head as far as being able to use this medicinally. I just wanted to kind of plant that seed in your mind that it is something that um, is toxic, meaning that if you eat too much of it, which is the same thing with anything, right? Grapes are not poisonous, but if you eat too many of them, you're going to have the same effect. <laughs> so anyway, um, just wanted to kind of plant that seed that there may be a use for potato leaves. In my mind, I'm just calling it toxic. I don't have any plans to eat them. I'm not an herbalist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. I am not going to mess around with this. But for that reason, in an edible landscape, it is something that is really put to good use as a border plant. So if you put this on the edge of maybe something else you're trying to protect, like you don't want your rabbits, maybe you put your lettuce or something else on the inside and let this be kind of a deterrent for other pests and also four-legged pests like rabbits or deer. Yeah, that was kind of a long way around saying that um, there is a really good use for it in an edible landscape in that the flowers are really pretty. When you first plant the potato, it's going to kind of grow up six or seven inches or so, and then it's just going to put off a lot of uh, foliage. And then when it starts to get taller and taller and taller, it's going to start putting off these little purple flowers that are just really pretty. And then the next evolution is it's going to start to put off uh, what looks like a fruit, kind of like a tomato, a nightshade. And 
in each one of these steps, that gives you a really good clue about what the potatoes look like underneath. <laughs> this is something else that I did not know for the longest time. So if you were to go um, dig up these potatoes before they put off flowers, then you're going to have a lot of, or not a lot, but you're going to have a few what looks like new potatoes or baby potatoes. But if you, once you let them go to flower, you're going to have more potatoes and they're going to be a little bit bigger. And then once they go to fruit and they have these little tomato looking things on the top, then you're going to have even more potatoes and bigger potatoes. And then whenever it's time to harvest, you'll know because the plant just kind of starts to die back. A little bit and that does have a lot to do with the temperature so let's talk about temperature and this was the key for me is the best temperatures are between 60 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit and once you get over temperatures of about 80 degrees that's when that plant will just kind of start to suffer and, and start to die back it's not going to have a lot more production left in it once you get to that point, wherever you live, if you live in Michigan, if you live in Georgia, if you live in Hawaii, wherever you are, once it gets to not just 80 degrees one time, but a steady 80 degrees, right? So it's just constantly 80 degrees, then you'll know that's about the time to pull your potato plants. But your potato plants will let you know because that's when they'll start to look like, oh, you're thinking, what's going on with them? Why are they? I mean, if you're new to planting potatoes, you're going to look at them. And you're going to say, man, they just don't look very good. Well, that's because of the temperature. They just suffer. They just don't like it too warm. And they can't take the heat. That's when you know it's time to um, pull them or dig them up. Depending on what type of soil you have. Yeah, that was really kind of a... Um, a revelation for me when I found out because I always wanted to dig down in there and say, are they ready yet? Are they ready yet? Because you can't see them because they're under, under the soil, under the ground. And I didn't want to disturb them uh, by digging them up. But I was just like, you know, if I dig them up, are they going to be ready? Am I going to mess up the plant when I first started growing them? So that's how you know if it has, uh, I would wait until it has the flower on it for sure. Then it's going to go to fruit, which means it looks like it has little seed heads on it that look like a tomato. And by the way, you don't plant those little seeds. You're going to plant an actual potato, which is not really an actual root. It's actually a tuber. It's considered to be a tuber, hence the name tuberosum. If you're really new to potatoes, what you do is you just go to the store and you buy seed potatoes. Seed potatoes are not going to have any kind of growth inhibitor sprayed on them. They're going to develop those eyes. When you let a potato sit in the basket too long or in the pantry or in the bag too long or whatever, you're going to see these little eyes start to grow. We call them eyes, but it's where they're, they're starting to try to put off a stem like, you know, and it's green, like it looks like it wants to grow, that potato is fine to plant. And a lot of people, there's a lot of mixed emotions, I would say, about whether you can buy them from the grocery store in the produce section, or you buy them in a feed store, or in a seed store, or from a seed catalog. And I would say, 
do whatever you want. I mean, you know, a lot of people will say you need to have, you need to have a good organic seed potato. And I will tell you, I've done both. It's, it's up to you. It's your call. I will tell you, though, that there are a lot of genetically modified potatoes out there in the world. So I would say if you want to go buy organic seed potatoes from a catalog, then do that. If you want to go buy them from the store, maybe you've already bought them from the store, but you've noticed that your bag is just starting to grow. <laughs> you know, like it's just kind of taking over your pantry and it looks like it just wants to grow. Then go ahead and plant those. Do whatever you want. I mean, this is your call. It's your home, your yard, your taste, right? And I would say, just do it. I mean, the most important thing is that you plant something and you get the experience. I would say, do whatever you, what feels right for you. I don't have a good answer for you on that, like where to buy your seed potatoes. I personally have no problem planting potatoes that I got from a grocery store. I have no problem planting potatoes that I got from the seed place or a seed catalog. I have no problem growing potatoes. And basically, this is this is why, I guess. This is what I do now. I planted a lot of potatoes last year, and I had these little bitty seed potatoes that I didn't eat. I have some purple ones, some red ones, some white ones, uh, some yellow ones that I grew last year. They've been sitting in a stash somewhere, and they've all been wanting to grow, and those are the ones that I'm planting this year. So I'm actually replanting potatoes that are my own seed potatoes. I don't have any issues with knowing whether or not there's been anything sprayed on them. I don't have any any issues with knowing that they're not genetically modified. I don't have any issues with them at all because they're my seed potatoes. Okay, so I feel like I kind of beat that horse to death too. It's your call. Obviously, it's your call to do whatever you want to do with it, whatever makes you feel comfortable. The other thing about planting potatoes is that it's really, really important that if you are going to plant them in the ground, and I've seen a lot of quote unquote, I'm doing my little air quotes again, (laughs) hacks for growing potatoes. Potatoes don't really need soil. Um, you know, for me, I believe that things are better grown in the soil. There are some tips and tricks out there that I have done personally. And basically, you if you don't have really good soil, let's just say you're going through a transitional year. You've got really bad clay soil. Clay soil is not good for you to grow anything like uh, carrots or potatoes. You need to be able to uh, pull them up out of the ground. You don't, they don't want to be, it doesn't, potatoes don't like rocky soils. Same boat with carrots. You don't want them to be rocky because if there's a rock there, that rock is not going to really move, especially if it's a big heavy rock or it's just not going to move. Then that potato is going to kind of grow around the rock. It's probably going to cause problems for the tuber. Also the potato, same thing. So I would say make sure that it's not a rocky, compacted, clayey soil. You want it to be a really good uh, medium that's friable that you can dig easily in with your hands you don't need a shovel to dig in to the soil that you're going to plant these potatoes in and I think this is a big reason why a lot of people will say you can grow them in trash cans you can grow them in a bucket you can just put them on top of the ground and then just put your soil over 
your potatoes, which I have done that before. So basically, if you're wanting to do this and you're going through a transition year and your soil is not good this year, then go ahead and try that. I would say this is probably one of those plants where I would say it's really good to experiment with. But I will tell you that, you know, I'm a big believer in doing the whole no dig garden the Back to Eden Method garden, the sheet mulching garden, all the same thing. But I would say it's not good if you have a good chunky wood chip. If you've got that shredded wood mulch, it's probably going to be fine. You can use things like straw or hay or um, anything that's like that. Basically, you would just put your potato on the ground. You would want to make sure that it has good contact with some soil so that those roots can go down and mine up nutrients and water. And let's just say you were going to do this in a trash can. Let's just say. First of all, you would want to make sure that you have really good drainage and or they will rot. So you will basically put your seed potatoes on the bottom of whatever it is and then you're going to add some soil just a little bit of soil on top of that and every time it grows I don't know three to six inches then you're going to put a little bit more soil in there you're going to want to make sure that that foliage is being able to see the light of day it's being able to see the sun and do its whole photosynthesis thing and creating you know the sugars and the carbohydrates and the proteins that it needs to grow and the whole time that it's growing you're just going to keep adding soil it grows a little more you add soil it grows a little more you add soil okay so a lot of people will call this hilling basically you're hilling up your potatoes every time they grow and potatoes are like tomatoes in that they're they come from the same family that nightshade family and they're going to have like these little hairs all over the stems wherever there's one of those hairs and it's okay to heal up the soil around the stem and the leaves and everywhere that there's one of those little hairs on the stem that's where there's the potential to grow roots so you could just keep hilling it up and it's going to grow more roots, which is going to grow more tubers. Same thing as the potato. The tuber is the potato and it's just going to put off a lot of stuff. Well, I have noticed that if I plant potatoes in the soil, it's just a lot less work. <laughs> there's, there's just not the need to baby it so much. They're, I just put them in the ground and I just let them do whatever they're going to do. And I don't worry about trying to heal them up and heal them up and heal them up. Now, you can probably get a lot more production that way, but I haven't noticed that I've had any problem. And I'm not going through a transitional year anymore in most of my garden spaces. Um, there are some places where I put in new beds and I am in a transitional year, but where my existing beds are, it's absolutely fine. I can just dig in that soil up to my elbows and the potatoes are in good loose well-drained soil so I really just don't have to worry about any kind of compaction or rocks or anything and I'm not going to worry about trying to heal them up or trying to use hay or trying to use something like that for one I just don't like the way it looks it doesn't look good in my edible landscaping I don't want to do anything with a trash can or any other kind of barrel or container because it's just a pain 
If you want to do that and you need to experiment, then I say do it because you're going to learn. You're going to learn something from that. And you may call me in a year or email me in a year and say, Nanette, I love this. What are you talking about? You're crazy. And I'll say, tell me more about that because... I didn't have that experience. But again, the most important thing about that is you have to make sure that there's good drainage there because you don't want those potatoes that are on the bottom to rot because there wasn't good drainage. That's the absolute most important thing is they need to have good drainage. Okay, so I just wanted to dispel some myths about growing potatoes because this is something that I see a lot of people doing these hacks. You know, if you live on a bal or you're just gardening on a balcony in an apartment somewhere or something, then you don't have any other choice. I say do it. And you're going to have them right there with you and you're going to have less of an issue of it being um, something that's one more thing you have to take care of because... Uh, it's probably going to take up a lot of room on a balcony. I have lived in apartments before. I These balconies are not that big. Um, so you're probably going to have probably not a whole lot of other things besides potatoes. So you're going to, you know, it's going to be something that you are taking care of, but you're not having to take care of a lot of other things. As for me, I have a lot of other things to take care of. So I am not doing the container thing. And as for me, I think you all know this if you've been listening to me for any length of time, going back to that episode two, uh, where we talk about the one thing that makes all the difference in your garden, and that is contact with the soil. And all of those nematodes and microarthropods and flagellates and bacteria and amoeba and all of that microbiology doing its thing and tilling the soil and the macrobiology, the earthworms, the beetles, all of that good stuff, doing a job, um, it just doesn't make any any sense to me to plant them in anything other than the soil. So that's what I do. So I probably talked about that too much, but I just wanted to let you know where I stand on this with potatoes. Okay, so potatoes need even consistent moisture. So you don't want it to be too wet, like we talked about, and you don't want it to l- let it get too dry either. Oh, one more thing about if you're not going to bear, if you're not going to grow the potatoes in the soil, that solanine, that built-in pesticide that the potato plant produces for itself will also uh, build up in the skin. So if you don't have all of the potatoes or those tubers really covered really well with that straw or whatever it is you're covering it with, if it sees the light of day, if it sees the sun, somehow, some way, it is developing that solanine in the skin of the potato, and that part is also toxic. So if you get a potato, and you bring it in the house, and you're uh, cutting, or you're peeling the skin off that potato, you see a green part, that can have that same toxic effect that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. So you want to make sure that you cut all of that skin off. And I actually saw someone the other day on a Facebook group that posted that their whole potato, I mean the whole thing from, you know, like a center section through this potato, the whole thing was green. I have never seen that before. Uh, And I don't believe that it has anything to do with whether it was ripe or not. That's what you would normally think, right? If you have something that's normally green until it ripens and then it turns a different color. 
I really believe that this had to do with the way that it was grown and whether or not that potato was seeing the full light of day. So again, that's that built-in pesticide that this plant produces for itself to prevent predation. Okay, so <laughs> I think that's enough about that. Potatoes like full sun, the pH requirements, and this is something I'm still on the growing requirements page of my plant folio here, is uh, between, it likes it slightly acidic, so between 5.0 and 6.5. Um, the growth habit, 60 to 100 days of maturity. So I told you that I just planted my potatoes or some potatoes. I'm not really done planting potatoes, but I planted them where I wanted to see these pretty little purple flowers in my landscape. But I'm looking at, okay, so that was the end of February, uh, the end of March, that would be 30 days. End of April would be uh, 60 days. End of May would be 90 days. So we're looking at if we did 60 to 90 days in maturity for these to go to full maturity. Now, as for me, I don't care. A lot of times I've pulled up these potatoes and I've, um, you know, depending on what transitional state I was in with my soil, sometimes I will get a broad fork and I'll just kind of lift the soil up a little bit and then I'll pull all these potatoes out and I'll have some big ones you know, probably, I don't know, eight or 10 big ones, which in my experience, that's a good harvest for one potato plant. And then I'll have some medium ones and then I'll have some baby ones. Well, you know, you see them in the stores these days, or this is kind of a new kind of a gourmet thing to do is to buy these baby potatoes and you can prepare them in different ways, you know, like smashed potatoes or potatoes with green beans, or however you want to do them. But if you want to go ahead and pull up one of those plants early, then you're just going to have a lot of little baby new potatoes. There's nothing wrong with that. I see nothing wrong with that, and I'm probably going to do that sometime around the time that maybe the plant starts to flower. So you really don't have to wait 60 to 100 days for the maturity. You can go ahead and start pulling them whenever you want to. Um, but if you want them to get as big as they can get, and as much as you can get to get, you know, the most poundage that you can get, then it's going to be, depending on the variety, um, between 60 to 100 days. Okay. Um, the bloom color is purple. And in my area, that's usually going to be in about uh, 60 days. Okay. But, you know, maybe 50 to 60 days. Okay. So, the consensus was from all of the resources that I went to, and again, I keep all that on page three, all of the, the books or the pages, uh, the books that I have on my bookshelf, the, the trusted resources that I go to quite often, and we've talked about that in past episodes on the plant folios, but I keep those in uh, on page three so that I can refer back to them. But this was kind of a consensus. There wasn't anybody that really agreed on all these trusted resources and all these trusted websites that I like to go to, my books that I have on my bookshelf. The consensus was three to six weeks before the average last frost date. And again, you got to take into consideration where you live. Like what is the average temperature before your average last frost date? Does that, is that sustainable for, for 60 to 100 days? 
And I don't mean to get make this too convoluted or anything, but you kind of have to kind of take all these things into consideration and hope for the best. <laughs> you really do. So three to six weeks before the average last frost date. Now, if I go ahead and skip on to page, um, the last page, Wives' Tales, Mythology, and Lore, I saw a lot about, which I thought this was really interesting. One of the wives' tales that I saw, which I thought was really cool, is you plant potatoes when the daffodils start blooming. Well, for me, this year, it could be different next year, but the daffodils have started blooming and it's about three to six weeks before my average last frost date. Like I said, on the on the wives' tales, it always seems like where there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes it's malarkey. Sometimes it's just coincidence or whatever. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I see the daffodils blooming and it's time to plant potatoes. I thought that was cool. I had never heard that before. Okay, best method of propagation. The seed tubers uh, ensure a clone of the plant. So... Remember when at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about the plant goes to foliage first, and then it starts to put off a pretty little purple star-shaped flower. And then it puts off something that looks like fruit. It looks like a tomato, and it has all these little seeds in it. Well, those are potato seeds from the potato plant, but... If you plant those seeds, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the potato, the tuber is going to be the exact same for the most part. If you have an heirloom potato that you've been doing for a long time, it probably will. But if you're going to buy these seed potatoes in the store, then you could just get something that's totally unexpected. So, but most people will just buy the potatoes themselves they call these seed potatoes and you can plant those in the ground and you will get an exact clone of what that potato is. So if it's blue or it's purple or it's red or it's yellow or it's white, whatever that potato is, then you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get that exact same potato because it's considered to be a clone. Okay. Now the known pests and diseases I did tell you that that solanine that's built into the leaves and into the green skin, into the flowers, into the fruits, all of that is very toxic because it's basically a built-in pesticide, but you do have a potato beetle as a known pest, a flea beetle, a leaf hopper, and scab disease. But the scab disease According to what I found, the scab disease is because of the alkaline soil. So if you have a soil that's over 7 or over 6.5, then that's where that scab disease comes from is because of the alkalinity in the soil. But, you know, if you're doing your own compost, your compost is going to be make your soil be pretty basic, which means it's not really acidic and it's not really alkaline. So... Again, that's kind of one of the reasons why I do want to know what the pH tolerance is for any certain plant. So plant care, even consistent moisture is key. One inch of water a week. You can heal your potatoes. Uh, We talked about that. Uh, Too much nitrogen 
is another thing that causes the scab disease. So it's, if you just put down compost with your potatoes, and I've had to do that before where I didn't have any other kind of growing medium as in soil that was really good quality. I just used my homemade compost. Sorry, I still have a little bit of a cold. I just used my homemade compost to kind of heal the potatoes in to just kind of cover the potatoes because I didn't really have much else, but I had a lot of compost that, that I made myself. You can just use that as well, but my compost is not real heavy in nitrogen. So this is where the potato originated from. As far as people can tell, as far as all that has been purported, it mostly comes from South America and the Andes. And which I just think that that is so funny because, you know, the Irish are known for potatoes, for growing potatoes. Uh, But it didn't come from Ireland. It came from South America. So let's see. I'm going to get into that here in just a little bit more uh, in just a minute. Companions and niches. Okay, so beans are a good companion plant for potatoes. Savory, which is an herb. Basil. Parsley, coriander, um, also known as cilantro, and marigolds. Okay, so I already said this, but it says right here, uses a border edge if rabbit or deer are concerned. All of the above plants are, uh, plant parts are toxic, very pest resistant. The next page is culinary and medicinal uses. Okay, so the the tubers are the only edible part of this plant. And again, this is one of those things that I always want to know on page three of my plant folio. What parts of the plant are edible? What parts of the plant are toxic? And I think we've already talked about that, that the only part of this plant that is edible are the tubers, the actual potatoes. All other parts of this plant I am considering to be toxic. Okay, um, another section that I have on here on the culinary and medicinal uses is harvest and preparation and storing. So harvest after the blooms fade and the plant bears fruit for new potatoes. For more mature potatoes, wait until the plant begins to die back. We've already talked about that. Um, But bitterness, green, or transported damaged potatoes is due to something called chaconine or shaconine, a natural defense mechanism. And I think that that it's a problem. If the potato is damaged in any way, and I guess this comes from the inherentness um, of this plant to protect itself. Let's just say a a worm or a grub worm or something comes along and chews on that potato it, it's going to heal itself. It's going to send all that pest resistant chemical or hormone that it naturally produces to that wounded area. So you don't want to eat any of the damaged part of a potato. You just want to cut that off and throw it away. Okay. But be sure to cut off any of the green or damaged parts. It, it's fine to eat the rest. Okay. Um, purported and medicinal and nutritional qualities. I always like to uh, keep up with this in some way, but potatoes are especially good sources of phytonutrients and antioxidants. A 2012 study published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry found that six to eight small purple potatoes 
twice a day helped lower blood pressure and risk of heart disease and stroke among people who were overweight and suffering from hypertension. Despite the carbohydrates in purple potatoes, the participants did not gain weight. And this has to do with blood pressure. So potatoes may help lower blood pressure for several reasons. Um, there was a scientist, Jabowski, that said that the fiber found in potatoes could help lower cholesterol by binding with cholesterol in the blood. After it binds, we excrete it. Okay, so it basically it's pulling it, the cholesterol to the fiber, and then we flush it through our system. But potatoes are also a good source of potassium. All potatoes are potassium rich. They have even more potassium than a banana. And a lot of it is found in the potato skin. So again, you know, I've always heard that potato skins are a really good part of the potato. You just want to make sure that it's not green. And that happens from it seeing the sunlight, trying to protect itself from predators. But she noted that the outer potato peel also contains a good deal of fiber. Potassium is a mineral that helps lower blood pressure. According to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, potassium, too, can help lower blood pressure through its actions in a vasodilator blood vessel widener. Scientists at the Institute for Food Research have discovered that potatoes contain chemicals called cucumines, which are associated with lowering blood pressure. Baked potato or french fries or any of the other ways that we prepare potatoes, the, the thing that's so bad about potatoes, pat, potatoes get such a bad rap, is all of the stuff that we put on them, obviously. I mean, you know, it's so obvious when you think about it. All the butter, the salt, the bacon, the sour cream, whatever else you put on a potato. That's the stuff where the potatoes really, it makes it to where we want to eat potatoes. All of that good stuff that we put on top of them, the cheese, all that stuff. That's the bad part of the potato, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of other people are going to say differently, but there are a lot of good things about potatoes. And I didn't put this in here either, but purple potatoes are supposed to be a lot better for you. In general, anything that's purple is supposed to be a lot better for you. Wives' Tales, Mythology, and Lore. I'm not going to go over all of this, but I do want to tell you that potatoes have been around for seven to 10,000 years. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in here, okay, so potatoes were introduced to Europe from the Americas. So I said that, you know, that a country of origin was in South America and the Andes. Well, it was brought to Spain. Spain was one of the first colonizers or explorers of the New World, right? Uh, but in the 16th century. And today they're a staple in many plant parts of the world. Um, as of 2014, potatoes are the world's largest food crop after maize or corn, wheat, and rice. So potatoes come in number four for the top staple crop for the world. So first you have corn, then you have wheat, then you have rice, then you have potatoes. So a very important crop. But one of the things that I really wanted to say here, which I did not write down in this plant folio, which I might go back and change it, but I already know this. I'm doing this for me. I'm just sharing it with you guys. But when I took the permaculture class, 
this is a really important crop for people that live in areas with a lot of wind problems. You know, like here in Texas, we have a lot of tornadoes. And if you were living, say, back in the day when we didn't have a lot of grocery stores or we didn't have a lot of trains, we didn't have uh, 18 wheelers bringing in food all the time. This was a very important crop because if you had straight line winds or you had tornadoes and it tore out all of your food, all of your crops, more than likely it was going to leave everything that was under the ground. So it's a very important crop. It's kind of a redundancy measure, kind of a safety measure, a food safety measure. You have things in the ground growing under the soil and a tornado or a straight line wind comes in and takes out all your trees and your tomato plants and your house or whatever, but you still need something to eat. A crop like this, something that's a root crop or a tuber crop, it could be jicama, it could be carrots. It could be, I don't know, sweet potatoes. Anything that grows under the ground was considered to be kind of a safety crop. And I just thought I'd throw that in there um, because that was some that was one of the things that really um, was kind of a surprise to me when I, I never thought about that before. And this is why I was taking the uh, permaculture design course. The fact that <laughs> that right now or as of 2014, that Asia and China and India leading the world in overall production of potatoes. Okay, so I think that this is a whole other show, but potatoes is something that was heavily relied upon. And let me just kind of go into this. So <clears throat> around the time of Louis the 16th, this was the one that, that uh, lost his head. And, um, but he was trying to get they were going through a food shortage, a food crisis. And I would say that potatoes are one of those crops that has been heavily relied upon for more calories. So a lot of times people are looking at more calories or something that's very filling as something bad. But, you know, in times, in hard times, that was a really good thing. So there was a lot of food shortages in Europe around that time. And so... Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette uh, wore the flowers, the potato blossoms. They were, they're very pretty flowers, but he wore it like in his coat lapel or she wore them in her hair because they were trying to make it something that was vogue, something that a lot of people wanted to emulate, something, you know, like, hey, let's, they were doing what they could. It was kind of a, a branding thing for potatoes back then, but let's try to get people to grow more potatoes because this is something that's going to be good for our country. We need this kind of a crop that's going to be very filling, that's going to add a lot of calories to our diet because they were going through a real food crisis at the time, right? You remember when Marie Antoinette said, oh, let them eat cake because they were starving. They were storming the gates of the, of the castle where they lived or the chateau where they lived because they were hungry. You know, Marie Antoinette didn't really get it, but they knew. They knew on a level that they needed their country to grow more of a crop that was more filling, you know, where they could have uh, more of a staple to eat. So this is something that I think that <laughs> given the current situation with the whole coronavirus, and I think this is a totally different show because I've been kind of seeing a real trend in doing these plant folios 
And this is something I never would have paid that much attention to before. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it real quick right now, if I have time, is that there, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing, I'm not worried about the coronavirus coming over to the United States in a potato or in the garlic or in a lot of the stuff that we're buying to eat. But it could come to a screeching halt based on they got a lot of other things that they have to worry about right now. And they're looking at, you know, a, a huge reduction in their GDP because their whole system is just kind of coming to a standstill. And so it just makes me wonder what is going to happen in the world when it comes to a food shortage. Is it going to go up in price or is it just not going to be that much of it? Um, is somebody else, another country, are we going to pick up the slack there? And so that is something that, you know, I don't have the answer for at all, but it just makes me wonder because China is a top producer for a lot of the things that we eat. And also a lot of the things that we also see on the list of, you know, there was been some kind of a recall. Anyway, that's a whole other show. Another thing that I saw on the potato is, and you know, when we were in France, we went to France um, in a few months ago, and we asked about French fries. We had these French guides, and they took us on these guided tours of Versailles and uh, Rouen and Les Andouilles, and we went and saw, you know, where Van Gogh lived and all this other stuff. But anyway, one time I asked them, okay, so where does the French fry come from? And the guy told me, he said, you know, everybody has all these theories about that and nobody really knows. But I did see here um, in some of my research that said that the story goes that Thomas Jefferson was one of the guests um, at one of these French diplomatic dinners. And it was a strange new species. And, you know, if you know anything about Thomas Jefferson, you know, he was a very big curator of plants and a gardener himself. And he was so delighted that he introduced French fries to the Americas or to America. And so we don't know who really invented the French fry, but it's purported that Thomas Jefferson actually brought the French fry to the United States, which I thought was pretty cool. And in uh, 1853, I thought this was a cool story. So the railroad magnate, Cornelius Vanderbilt, complained that his potatoes were cut too thick. And he sent them back to the kitchen at a resort in Saratoga Springs, New York. To spite him, the chef, George Crumb, sliced the potatoes paper thin, fried them in hot oil, salted them, and served them. And to everyone's surprise... Vanderbilt loved this Saratoga Crunch chips, and that's when the potato chip was born. <laughs> I don't know if any of you love this kind of hist uh, history, mythology, wives' tales, and lore, but I just love that so much. I love to hear how the French fry was born, how the potato chip was born, especially when they come uh, funny stories like that. The other thing that I have on this very last page of my plant folio is about the genetic modification of potatoes. So the genetically modified uh, innate potato was approved by the United States Department of Agriculture in 2014. The innate name comes from the fact that this variety does not contain any genetic material from another species. So it's, its genes are innate to itself. 
Basically, it just sounds like CRISPR. It's basically where they're editing the existing DNA that's in there. So they turned on some genes, they turned off some genes. These are the ones that I found the names of these potatoes that are genetically modified. Now, I don't like the idea of splicing fish DNA with corn DNA or a pig with a salmon. <laughs> you know, it just goes against God and it just does not sound like a good idea. Uh, so what they're doing here is they're basically turning on some of the DNA and turning off some of the DNA. I really don't like this idea either. I mean, if you grow crops in a way that is doesn't go against Mother Nature, but is kind of working in conjunction with Mother Nature, I don't see any reason to do this. Companion planting and having a good soil food web in your soil, I don't see any reason to do this. So what I did was I listed the names of the known genetically modified potatoes. Don't know if this is any interest to you or not, but it was to me. Uh, Ranger Russet, which that sounds like one that we have in our store here. Russet Burbank and Atlantic Potatoes have all been transformed by Simplot. I guess that's the name of the company that did it, as well as two proprietary varieties. And I think there was a whole lot more here that I did not name just because I ran out of space. But I'm growing my own, so, you know. But it was interesting. Um, in 1995, Monsanto introduced the new leaf variety of potato which was their first genetically modified crop. It was designed to resist attack from the Colorado potato beetle. Due to the in insertion of BT toxin, producing genes from the bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis, uh, the insect-resistant potatoes found only a small market, and Monsanto discontinued the sale of seed in 2001. So they came up with a BT potato and it looks like they stopped selling it around 2001 so <laughs> anyway yeah I just I just don't bacillus thuringiensis is something that just happens naturally you guys know how I feel about this if you go back and listen to the the organic show is organics really worth it you know how I feel about bt or bacillus thuringiensis it's a it's naturally occurring it's all over the place all the time I don't see any reason to douse our food with something or our crops with something when it's occurring naturally. And it has been known to cause leaky gut in humans. And that's basically what it does to the insects out in the field when they spray it is it explodes their stomach from the inside out. And that's what it does with humans kind of on a lesser level, but it still causes a lot of problems. It causes leaky gut. According to my research, purportedly look it up for yourself but I just I, I don't BT is one of those things that you can buy and spray it on your crops as an organic measure and you know from listening to me for any length of time I just don't believe that the whole organic label has got it all figured out it was a nice start but they have a long way to go okay Woo. I think that that'll do it for uh, this episode. Yeah, still recovering from a cold. And I think I'm just going to cut it off right there. But I do want to tell you, you can go grab this plant folio template. And I do use canva.com. It's a free version of an application. You just go to canva.com. You sign up and you say, I only want the free version. You can go grab the template at edifilgardens.com forward slash folio. F-O-L-I-O. 
I think that'll do it for this one. I'm really surprised that I was able to talk that long <laughs> without choking up too much. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this one. And remember, this podcast is dedicated to you so that we can all put good food on the table. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>